Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. For the message today, I'm going to be in Acts chapter 1. You can find that in the paper Bible. I'm not offended if you grab your phone, you take notes on your phone, or you want to find your Bible on your phone, that's fine as well. Acts chapter 1. As you're getting there, uh, I want to share a a story of uh, the power of God. Uh, About four years ago, as a church, we asked uh, the city of Mishawaka, a couple of people in the city, uh, in local government, if there was an area of town that we could be helpful as a church, what area would that be? And uh, pretty quickly, they said the Barbie Creek neighborhood. Now, if you're not familiar with the Barbie Creek neighborhood, it's just a couple miles north of here. It's not very far. And so we started a community center about four years ago. And we talk about it frequently here at the church. Here's a picture of the community center. Uh, We serve many days of the week, lots of volunteers, lots of kids, lots of adults. We even have an open position at the community center on staff, if you're interested in that. But we do a lot of activity at the community center. So when we started this 40 years ago, what Pastor Kathy and a group realized was that there was a drug house in the neighborhood. Drug house, if you didn't know, just for clarity, drug houses in the neighborhood are bad. And so uh, Pastor Kathy realized that about 18 months ago, she and a small group of people, one time a week, would do a prayer walk around the neighborhood. They would pray for multiple things, but specifically they would pray for the drug dealer and the drug house. And they would do this every week. And then December, this last December, uh, Pastor Kathy wrote the staff and she said this. She says, we've prayed many Thursday mornings during our prayer walks around the community center that the drug dealer who lives in Barbie Creek would move out, the drugs would be inaccessible to him, et cetera, et cetera. And she writes, a couple of weeks ago, and I just confirmed the housing authority, that he moved out to jail. (laughs) Reminds me of the power of praying consistently and never giving up. Yay, Jesus. How cool is that? The power of God showing up in the middle of our community center. And not only that, since December, another uh, drug house, another drug dealer has not moved into that community because it is a place where God's presence is and I believe his power is showing up and protecting that neighborhood. Amen? That's awesome, isn't it? I love stories about God's power. Can we just pause? I feel convicted that we need to pray for the drug dealer. Can I do that? So, Father, it's going to be a simple prayer. Father, we pray for the salvation of the drug dealer, that you would protect him and you would put people in his life that would share the good news of Jesus Christ and how his life can be different. We pray, God, that the gifting that you gave him would shift to be a gifting of evangelism, that he would be someone who declares that Jesus is the best answer to every situation and not drugs. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for that. Uh, You want another cool God story? Tuesday, this last week, there's a group of women who are meeting. It's part of a women's group. Someone in the women's group submitted an anonymous prayer request, and the prayer request on a piece of paper was something like this. I need a job, and I need patience. She didn't put her name on the piece of paper. Nancy Fish, she's on staff. She got that piece of paper later and was praying for it with another person. 
And then Nancy, while she was in the office on Tuesday, gets a call. And uh, the person who called didn't uh, immediately introduce themselves, but they said, hey, did you pray for me? And Nancy, I think, said something like this, we're a church, we pray for a lot of people. Right, I'm not, not sure who you are. And she said, well, I was actually this morning, I was at the women's group, I submitted a prayer request, and today I got a call about a job, did a phone interview, and I start tomorrow. The power of God! You, like, that's, it's amazing. I, I was reminded, today we're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, and so I've just been sort of reawakened uh, about God's power. I've been in the book of Exodus uh, and numbers in my Bible time. And I'm just uh, amazed at how God shows up in people's lives. The book of Exodus, there's 600 or so thousand Israelites who have been promised, you're gonna get this, uh, to go to this land, it's gonna be amazing. Should have been a short journey, ends up being like a 40 year journey. And they're hungry. And so they start complaining to Moses, who's the leader, like, that's a, just think for a second how much food that is for 600,000 people for 40 years. Isn't that a lot of food? So, right, they're hungry, complaining, and this is what the Lord says to Moses, Exodus 16, 4. The Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. Every day, the power of God would show up and provide them enough food for the next day. Isn't God amazing? And he goes on in this journey, not just providing food, but there's a time at which they run into this group called the Canaanites, and the Canaanites are going to overtake them. And so these people start crying out to God, God, we're going to get slaughtered. And in Numbers 21, the Lord listened to Israel's plea and gave the Canaanites over to them. They completely destroyed them in their towns. God shows up, and the power of God protects them. It's who God is. Out of our own strength, we can't figure it out, so we cry out to God, and he does in his power. Even when Jesus comes on the scene, if you read any of the Gospels, there is power with Jesus. Here's, bless you, here's an example, Matthew 8, 16. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed, that's bad, were brought to him, Jesus, and he drove out the spirits with a word, with, a, with one word, and healed all the sick, not half of them, not a few of them, all of them. There's power in Jesus. Jesus was so powerful, in fact, that uh, God knew this, right? We can't save ourselves in our own strength. And so what does he do? He sends Jesus to die on a cross. Talk about power. That's power. John the Baptist, when he first saw Jesus, he writes this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That, my friends, is great news. That is power. So there's power in the Old Testament where we see God the Father. There's power in Jesus. And then when Jesus goes, sits at the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost. This weekend is actually Pentecost weekend. It's celebrated 50 days after Easter. So churches all around the world are celebrating the fact that the Holy Spirit came on the believers of Jesus and empowered them so they could change the world. We're still talking about Jesus today because of that event. 
There's power in Jesus. There's power from God. So here's a question. As we talk about the power of God showing up at the church, the community center, throughout the Bible, the question is this, do I want to experience more of the power of God? That's one of those questions that when I ask it, it's really easy to say, well, of course I do. But do you really? I think there's some things in our lives that we can learn by partnering with the Holy Spirit and his power that can impact, so that as you think about that, the areas of our lives that are not working well. Could be health, maybe a family member has gone astray, maybe your marriage isn't amazing. There's so many things in our lives that in our own strength, we cannot fix, but the Holy Spirit. I wanna remind us that we're in this series. The series is called Holy Spirit Unveiled. I'm using the word unveiled not because we're gonna give you some secret knowledge or keys that we just know and no one else does. It's really, I deeply believe that we're living at a time where we, too many of us, are exhausted trying to run to things out of our own strength to fix the ills of our lives or the world and we're realizing or we should be realizing out of our own strength it's not working and there's someone else's power that can be helpful and it's the Holy Spirit's power. And so I, I want to look at Acts chapter 1 for the message today to unpack the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll give you a little background before I jump into this. We're going to look at Jesus's last words to the disciples before he goes up and sits at the right hand of the Father. It, Whenever someone gives you the last words before they leave forever, those words are important. And so I believe that Jesus' words to the disciples that day are as important as his words today to us. And so we're going to pick it up, Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6. Then they, the disciples, gathered around him, Jesus, and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Pause for a second. The followers of Jesus, who had seen over the last three years incredible things, they knew he was going to sit soon at the right hand of God the Father, and they're wondering, when you go, will all things wrong now be right? Because there was a lot of things that were wrong then. Roman rule was still happening. The world was not amazing. They were being oppressed. They were being beaten. So things were not going so well. And they're wondering, God, are you going to figure this out? Is it going to be perfect when this happens? And he clarifies. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Didn't ask, didn't answer their question perfectly, but I think gave them the perfect thing they needed and we need going forward. So before I jump into that, let's pray for the message. I wanna, before I start praying, I want to 
let you know that there's about 500 vineyard churches that are celebrating Pentecost Sunday, and we're all praying a very simple prayer, come Holy Spirit. So I'll pray that as we start this message. So God, we thank you for today. Uh, We thank you for the Holy Spirit and his power, and we just, along with many churches around the country, say, come Holy Spirit, we need you now more than ever. So come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. So you can write this in and back your hand out if it's helpful. The power of the Holy Spirit provides a dynamite partnership. Provides a dynamite partnership. Jesus is speaking to the disciples. He says this, you will receive power. You're gonna get power when he leaves. I think it's important to not make any assumptions on what Jesus is talking about when he says you're gonna get power. Because the disciples were very clear what he meant. Because he uses this word, power, the Greek word is dynamis, and he uses this word many times, but it's dynamis, power, is potential for functioning in some way, power, might, strength, force, and capability. Dynamis. It's where we in our English language get the word dynamite or dynamo, or dynamic. It's this word that implies that it's not just a little bit of power, but it's strength in power. And that word dynamis, Jesus uses it a few times, but what I find interesting is the three years that the disciples are with him, they're recording what's happening and talking about this dynamis power. They knew exactly what he was talking about. Look at this, Mark 5.30, there's a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. She can't stop bleeding. She would have been shunned from the community, but she sneaks in because she's heard about Jesus. And if I can just touch the hem of his garment, and in Mark 5.30, once Jesus realized that power had gone from him because she touched the hem of his garment, he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? She was healed. Mark, put that, if you put that verse back up, Mark, the disciple, he is writing this about the dynamis power that had gone out from them. Mark knew exactly what this power meant. If we look at the book of Luke, while Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and the teacher of the law were sitting there, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. The disciple Luke talks about the dynamis power of Jesus. In Luke 6, a little... While later, those troubled by the impure spirits were cured, and the people who tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. That's the power that the disciples knew. They they didn't have to make an assumption. They didn't ask, like, what power are you talking about? They recorded it because they saw Jesus do it, and now Jesus is saying, this is the power that I'm talking about. And then he goes on. If we look at this, he says this, Acts 1.8. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Followers of Jesus, you're going to get this power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I find that fascinating because he's talking to a group of people who don't have it all together. The disciples are still confused about this whole Jesus, you're going away thing. Is it going to be perfect? They're asking odd questions. And yet Jesus says, you, you in your imperfect state 
will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of the universe can do anything he wants to on his own, but for some reason he chooses his followers to advance his mission by giving us power. That is crazy. You can write this in. God's big plan includes using me. That's his big plan, and it is not a bad plan. It's like the perfect plan, and he looks down at you and says, I'm, I want your follower of me, I'm going to use you. What does it mean being used by God? The disciples would have known exactly what that would have meant. The power is going to come on me. What, what, what does that mean? Well, here's some examples. If we go back when the disciples were traveling with Jesus for three years, Jesus gives them clues at what this means. John 14, Jesus says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Have you ever read that before? Like Jesus did some pretty amazing things, but what he's saying is, I'm going to have to go to the Father, but you're going to do the very things that I was doing, and you're going to do even greater things. Do you realize that's for you as well? So, so what things did Jesus do? What things did he tell his disciples to do? Well, look at this text. Matthew 10, as you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. That's what he's asked, that's the invitation. Those are the works that he he did, and we get to do those and even greater works. Right, does Am I the only person this morning that finds that amazing? That, that, but to do that, even though God wants to partner, at least in my life, I had to have some practical, so what does that mean? Because I can go through my day and miss it, but I personally, I don't know about you, but I personally need the Holy Spirit's power in the world I'm living in today. So who needs some practical things to see more of the power of God in their life? Just raise your hand if you want some practical tips. Wonderful. If no one raised their hand, I was still going to tell you. (laughs) Here's some practical ways to partner with the Holy Spirit. Number one, get over myself and my plan. I got to get over myself. When I think about the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit using me, it's easy for me, I don't know about you, but to list all the reasons why he shouldn't. I don't know. I don't know if I know the Bible good enough. I don't don't know that he can really use me. Right? And just just a key, you don't have to be the spiritually the strongest, know your Bible the most. All you have to do is yield to the Holy Spirit and let him do the work. Because, look at this verse, 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you, the Holy Spirit in you, is greater than anything that you come up against or anything that's demanding a need. What you have in you is exactly what you need. You don't have to muster it up. 
So we got to get over ourselves, but we also have to get over our plans. I don't know about you, but I can have a lot of plans in my day. Let me give you an example. This last weekend, uh, down the South Hall in children's ministry, a volunteer by the name of Stacy, who was leading in a classroom in children's ministry, had a pl- we give them a plan, like follow this plan, it's going to go great. As she was looking at the plan and the, the morning was going well, she had this prompting, we talked about this last week, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you get these prompts, she had this prompting by the Holy Spirit, Stacy, you need to invite kids or a kid in this room to get to know me. Do a salvation opportunity for these kids. And she's looking at this plan, and she pauses the plan, sets the plan aside, and just gives these children a salvation opportunity. Who in this room wants to give their life to Christ? And two kids that morning, because she got over herself. She's not a pastor, Right, She got over herself, she got over the plan and made room for the Holy Spirit and two kids' lives are changed forever because of it. That's what I'm talking about. So we gotta get over ourselves and our plan. The second one is pray the crazy prayers. Pray the crazy prayers. Here's what I mean by this one. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm praying for something, I can circle the drain. Here's what I mean by that. Let's say somebody uh, has something wrong in their body, like something with their knee. I can fall into the trap of talking about God but never praying for the thing that needs prayed for. God, you are amazing. It's great weather outside. Uh, I pray uh, that you just be with us. And, and I wonder how many times the Lord is up there going, can you just pray for the knee? Just She needs something with her knee. Pray for the knee. And what we should be doing is praying like Jesus prays. How did he pray? Stand up. He prayed a prayer of command. How about we just say, in the name of Jesus, knee be healed and see what will happen. Pray the crazy prayers. It's what Jesus did. This last one. Inject Jesus into conversations. Inject Jesus into conversations. How about we just talk about Jesus more? How about we challenge ourselves one time a day for the next week to talk about Jesus? Well, Steve, I don't know what I'm going to say, and I'm not the most eloquent person. I don't know the Bible well enough, and the words, they get all fumbly-bumbly. Guess what? I have a verse for that. Here's the verse, Mark 13, 11. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, my hope is on this holiday weekend, you will not be arrested. Here's the point. We all have troubles, right? We, we encounter troubles that could use prayer, but it goes on to say, do not worry beforehand about what you will say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. How about we believe and get over ourselves that we, when we bring up the name of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit in us will actually give the words to set the person or the situation free in front of us. That's how, those three things, they're so simple, but they're challenging, I get it. Those three things, if we did those three things, we would see more of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So I'm gonna ask a question, it's a challenging question. The question is this, why wouldn't I partner with the Holy Spirit, with the power of the Holy Spirit? Why wouldn't I partner with the power of the Holy Spirit? Why wouldn't you?
if, if your answer to that question is not, I will partner with the power of the Holy Spirit. If that's not your answer, if you've got an, I don't know, I don't know if I can do that, then what you're actually saying is every problem you encounter, you'll need to muster up and find the strength to get through it yourself. And I'm just, I know, I know many of you in the room, you all don't have enough strength, I don't have enough strength to navigate the challenges that life throws at me without the power of the Holy Spirit, we need him. The power of the Holy Spirit provides a dynamite partnership. Here's the other thing I see in the text. Power of the Holy Spirit advances a greater mission. After you write that, for those of you who have a program, I'm gonna invite you at the bottom of your program, put a big circle. At the end of this message, we're gonna use that circle. But really, like take a second, big circle advances a greater mission. Here's what Jesus says. You're gonna receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, but look at this. You will be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. So you're gonna get power, but then you're gonna have to be a witness. Where do we hear in our own world the word witness? Court, right? You, You need to be a witness to something. I've used this story in the past, but a number of years ago, I was driving home from work. It was about five o'clock, and a drunk driver uh, ran into my car. Five o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, when he hit my car, he opened up the door and he ran and left his wife in the car. And the way the cars were positioned, the wife was like a foot and a half from me. And so we were just staring at one another, and she did this. Right, super sad. So we get out of the car and the police show up and I have to give a witness attestation to what happened. What does that mean? I have to describe what the source of the accident was. That's what witnesses do. They provide a statement to the source of the thing that happened. And that's what Jesus is talking about to the disciples. You're gonna get the Holy Spirit and you're gonna be my witness. You're going to point people to the source of the power that you get. Here's an example from scripture. Peter, the book of Acts, he's received the Holy Spirit. Jesus has left. He's going to the temple to pray. And Peter sees a lame beggar who uh, can't walk, has been there much of his life. And the lame beggar says, essentially, hey, can, I need some money. And what Peter does is this. He, he says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. That's a crazy prayer. You want an example of a crazy prayer? It's that one in the name of Jesus. Walk. And then he goes on. He says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. Instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. The guy was healed, he's now walking. Goes on, then he, the the lame man that was healed, went to them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising Peter. That's not what it says. The, The guy who can now walk is walking and jumping and praising God. 
The Holy Spirit's inside of us. When the power comes out and something miraculous happens, it's unto God. Our goal is to point people to God because Peter didn't in the middle of that go, no, 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 that was a really good prayer, wasn't it? Like that was phenomenal. No, it's unto God. It's to reveal who God is. You can write this down. The power in us reveals the reality of God. It's not about us. It reveals the reality of God because the message is supposed to spread, which is what Jesus continues when he's talking to the disciples. You're going to get the power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to be my witnesses. And then he says something really I find fascinating. I've read it many times, but I went deeper when, in my study for this. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I've read that so many times. But I want to unpack this in, in a different way. Let me, let me show you a map in what Jesus is talking about. This is a map. Uh, I know for you, those of you in the back, you can't probably read that, but Jerusalem is in the center. It's where Jesus and the disciples are when he's giving them this. You're going to be my witnesses because of the Holy Spirit's power in your backyard to your family, to your employer. You're going to have the Holy Spirit and his power and you're gonna witness in your backyard. And then you're gonna do it in Judea, which is that center section. It's like, uh, it's like their area, it's their county, it's their state, right? You're gonna do it in a broader region. In, in Judea, uh, it was still under Roman rule. And so there was some opposition. So he's essentially saying, even in the places that sort of oppose you, you're going to have to do it. And then he talks about Samaria and to the rest of the world. But I want to focus on Samaria. What do we know about Samaria? I find it interesting because if we go back to the journey of Jesus with his disciples, we see them talk about or walk through Samaria a few times. And there's some hints that can give us some insight to what Jesus is asking us to do even now. So previously, disciples and Jesus, they're out doing ministry during these three years. And, and it says uh, this in Matthew 10, 5 and 6 in this journey. Jesus is sending the 12 out and he says, Do not go among the Gentiles or any, enter any town of the Samaritans in Samaria. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus is telling them you don't have what you need right now. Samaria opposes... They have different beliefs than the disciples. Things are not going to go well, and you're not fully equipped. Do not go there yet. Later in the uh, Gospel of Luke, this is towards the end of Jesus' ministry. He's with the disciples, and they have to travel through Samaria. It says this, Jesus sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village in Samaria to get things ready for him, but the people there in Samaria didn't welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, then he and his disciples went to another village. Samaria was a place that the disciples wanted to essentially burn down. And yet now, Jesus is telling them, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. 
and the rest of the world. I don't know about you, but there's places that I don't really want to go because they might oppose me, and yet they're hearing that, and I, don't, I, I wonder if I was in, in, in that room whether I would have went, no, not that place. But Jesus is saying, that place needs my power through you as much as your backyard. So here's the implication. As followers of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, prompting us, inviting us to partner with his power in our own homes, workplaces, that's our Jerusalem, in our city and county and state, and even the places that we may not ever want or dream to go and the rest of the world. The invitation is you have the Holy Spirit, you use the power, and you spread the news. So I want to ask this final question. Who can I share the power of the Holy Spirit with this week? That's what the circle's for. I want you to look at that circle for a second, and I want you to think about, maybe it's somebody in your Jerusalem, in your family, workplace, neighborhood. Maybe it's somebody in the state. Maybe it's a family member far away. Maybe it's a Samaria to you, and it's a place you'd never want to go. Maybe it's Barbie Creek, just a few miles north. Maybe it's India. And I want you to write it down. I'm going to give you like 10 seconds. No, really. We have time. It's going to be fine. For some of you, this is maybe too harsh. For some of you, you're not writing anything down. You didn't draw a circle. What you're saying by proxy is people can figure it out on their own. And we're living in a time that they can't. They cannot. The answer to the problems of the world is Jesus, and it's the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And maybe, just maybe, if a few of us in that circle wrote something down and we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us, their lives and our lives would be radically different. That's the challenge. Because the power of the Holy Spirit provides a dynamite partnership and advances a greater mission. It's so worth it and the world needs it. Why don't you stand? We're gonna move into a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.